morning, church. Good morning. So, God creates us and sends us on our way. Sort of like spinning a top. It spins around, takes its own path, and finally falls over. So we find our own path to earn life or death. He gives us the tools to do the right thing. He, the maps to choose the way and waits for us to call his name, to help, to, to save, to share his ever-powerful love and spirit. He sent his son to us to die for us. A blind man can see his sacrifice as it shed light on all darkness. Oh Lord, please help us to choose the right path, to choose love and light over lies and lust. You are the bright beacon. All we need to do is follow your light and we will be saved. Please stand if you can. the things you have done for me things so undeserved yet you give to fruit your love for me the voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude all that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to Thee. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. song that is powerful powerful this next song is a old Irish uh, hymn old Irish praise song in the old Irish text Rop to Mohueli is often attributed to St. Dallin Forgale in the 6th century 
However, scholars, scholars believe it was written later than that. Some date it to the 8th century, some to the 10th and the 11th, but uh, generally, um, Be Thou My Vision reflects aspects of life in early Christian Ireland, circa 400 to 800 A.D. The prayer belongs to a type known as a lorica, or a prayer for protection. The symbol uses the battle shield and a sword to invoke power and protection of God and draws on St. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians uh, 6, 16 through 17, which refers to the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. Such military symbolism was common in the poetry and hymnology of Christian monasteries of the period due to the prevalence of clan warfare across Ireland. The poem makes reference to God as the king of the seven heavens and the high king of heaven. This depiction of the Christian God as chieftain or high, high king, uh, in, in Irish it's Ardri, is a traditional representation in Irish literature, medieval Irish poetry, and typically, typically used heroic imagery to cast God as a clan protector. So Lord, help me to gird on the power of thy sword and shield as I go about my daily life. Help me to use them to strike down the enemy in word and in deed. Keep me safe, my Lord, as I don thy tartan and declare myself your man. Rup tu mohreli, be thou my vision, Lord for none other will do. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Jesus. 
He knows me. He knows us all. Every hair on our heads are counted. Every step we take is known. He knows us. He hears us. He loves us. And he will be with us to the end. brothers and sisters never know who has the clicker <laughs> ready for rulers hold no terror for those who do right but for those who do wrong do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority then do what's right and you will be commended for the one in authority is God's servant for your good but if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Okay, so do the right thing. Follow the leaders and you will have no fear. The verse is obviously speaking of governmental rulers who use their force to maintain good order. Even today, our leaders are vested with the authority to use police and military organizations to keep the rank and file in line. But when rulers stray and overstep their bounds, when they are doing harm instead of preserving lives, what are we to do? And the answer is simple. Follow God. Obey God instead of the stray rulers. God's laws and God as the king and as our ruler are paramount over any earthly lord. The United States, at the federal level, has a unique situation. The ruler that we are sworn to obey is not a person, but a document, the United States Constitution. This document acknowledges God as the supreme being to whom all liberties and freedoms come from. There are many different organizations designed to operate under and preserve the integrity of the Constitution. When I joined the Navy, I swore my allegiance to the Constitution, I swore to defend it no matter what. 
Yes, I also swore to obey the president and all officers over me. We all follow the laws made by Congress and the president. If we feel that they are not legislating for the benefit of the people, we can vote them out. Is it a perfect system? So far, we have kept it alive for almost 250 years. So that is pretty good. It is pretty good. How do we keep it? Pray to God. Obey God. Obey the rulers and laws. Don't give those who want to see us crumble the excuse to point out hypocrisy or bad behavior. Be upright and respectful. Show that God is good in everything we do. Love one another, even when that love is not returned. Thank you. He could have preached my message today. I'm sorry. Um, one of the things God laid on my heart uh, as I prepared this message this week has been um, how much respect for authority has dwindled in our country. Used to be that clergy had authority. We no longer do. It used to be that police were respected because they had authority. That is no longer true. And it's unfortunate because when the respect for authority diminishes, the respect for God diminishes. I don't think we realize that. What I like to do this morning in prayer time is to pray for our country. Defunding the police doesn't work, as we say across the nation. Making government the big brother doesn't work. We were born to live in freedom. And that freedom is being attacked on many sides these days. And I don't care what side of the aisle you are on, that's none of my business. But I can tell you this, that at the cross, Jesus died for our freedom. First of all, our freedom from sin. And second of all, our freedom to be human. Our freedom to obey him. I'm not one to say, you know, you know, years ago, uh, you know, kids respected authority. No, we pushed the envelope. There's no question. We all pushed the envelope some, some way or another. But ultimately, we have to come to terms with this. If we had no rules for the road, what do you think would happen? Chaos. It's anarchy now, but I mean, more, even more. If we had no government, what would happen? Anarchy, right? So we need to listen to the words of Scripture. And, and, and we all know, I think, that as, as people who follow Christ, we feel like aliens in this land. Is that a fair statement? And that's, that's not a bad thing. The question comes up is, how do we live in a way that glorifies God in our current environment. So let's pray. Father, as I look at the state of our nation, it, it really does bother me. The fact that we have tried to crush authority where good men and women, Father, have put, lives on their, uh, put their lives on the line to protect our freedoms whether they're in the military, whether they're in the uh, police, whatever uh, authority that they had, Father, is no longer respected. I don't believe that's a good thing, Father. I don't think you do either. Our respect for church has dwindled.
our respect for the Bible has dwindled. Our respect for God, you, has dwindled. Forgive us. It used to be that churches had influence, clergy had influence, and now it seems that that influence has been taken away. And in some senses, Father, we allowed it to happen. Forgive us. Father, I pray for a great awakening in our country. I pray, Father, that you might send the move of your spirit to revive your church, to tell the truth in love, to proclaim the gospel unashamedly, and that, Father, you may bring spiritual hunger to this nation. May all who are in government and any type of leadership know that we are to serve under your authority. And we are to glorify you. So Father, in this great country with all its faults and warts, we want to see revival and a renewed love for the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. I'm going to ask a couple of people if they would come forward as we uh, wait upon you for the offering. As, as we do that, let me remind you that right after the service, I have to scoot out because I'm going to be teaching at the theological school at Tom's River Community Church. You're welcome to come uh, if you wish. Uh, my class starts a quarter after 12, and it's only 45 minutes till 1 o'clock. I'll be doing an introduction to the prophets today. So if you want to be a part of that, please come. You're more than welcome, and uh, there's enough room for everybody up there if you, if you so desire. Um, let's pray. Father, the generosity of your people has been overwhelming. And Father, your people give because they love you, and they worship as good stewards of the blessings you give them. Would you bless the offering, Father? Help us to use it for the furtherance of your kingdom. And we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to ask you a question. How many of you have been parents or are parents? Okay. Let me ask you, when your children were born, who changed the diapers? Any guys changed the diapers? My, you changed one once? My son changed one with a gas mask on. Right, right, Melissa? He changed one with a gas mask on. Um, when you were kids, how many of you had to take the garbage out? Okay. How many of you had chores around the house? Okay. How many of you went to school? Oh, I'm glad for that, right? All of these things I mentioned seem like mundane things, some unpleasant, maybe, but mundane things. But the final question I want to ask you is, shouldn't they all be done for the glory of God? Whether you change diapers, whether you take the garbage out, or uh, you go to work every day, or you go to school every day, it should all be done for the glory of God. If we have that worldview, would it change the way we do things? Yes, no? 
it ought to, right? Um, if we're going to glorify God, then we have to listen to what God has to say. Otherwise, we won't know how to do that. Is that a fair statement? Okay. Solomon touches on that in Ecclesiastes. The reason why I'm bringing this up is very simple. Um, we live in a post-Christian culture. Cult, let's face it, the culture is not, f not friendly towards Christianity uh, or church. Neither is our political system. And the question comes up, well, why, why do I say that? Because, and if you disagree with me, that's okay. Both systems largely ignore God and his word now. So how do we live in a post-Christian culture and government as good citizens who glorify God? We need a biblical worldview in order to discern how to do this. Let me give you an example. Unfortunately, I've met some Christians who um, have no problem cheating on their tax returns. You know why? How they rationalize it? Well, the government's got more money than they need. Well, that's why there are trillions of dollars in debt, right? I mean, we rationalize bad behavior, which doesn't glorify God when iota. I've met people in the building trades who do what they do for the glory of God. And I've met others who are professing Christians who cut corners and don't tell you the truth. Back in 1989, I saw the demise of employer-employee relationships. And here's what I mean by that. Prior to that, it used to be that most people worked for the same company for many, many years. And there was a sense of loyalty. The employee was loyal to the company, company was loyal to the employee. And then, because of the economy, what happened in this country was uh, factories and companies started to do what's called outsourcing their work, sending it to foreign countries, basically exploiting workers who got paid very little to do the same work. And then companies started to lay off many people. They wanted to run lean and mean. That was the corporate turn. How do you know that? Because I was in the corporate world back then. Lean and mean, you know what that means? Your 25 years of service in the company doesn't matter anymore. Because of the size of your paycheck, you're gone. We'll get somebody out of college to do the same thing for less money. Loyalty was broken. The one thing that, or one of the things I realized through this journey was once we try to put our trust in this world system, we're going to be in perpetual state of disappointment. Because many times the world's not fair. Is that a true statement? It's, it's, it's just not fair. So the question comes up is, how do we live in this environment for the glory of God? I'll give you some personal insight here. How many of you are backseat drivers? Okay, I like your honesty. How many of you literally sit in the back seat when you back seat drive? Okay. Sometimes you realize back seat drivers don't see, see the whole picture. And you don't know why the driver is doing what they're doing that you don't like. 
I want to suggest to you that in this day and age, we're very quick to criticize and we're very bad on listening. Look at what Solomon says. He says, who is like the wise? Who knows the explanation of things? A person's wisdom brightens their face and changes its hard appearance. What Solomon is saying here, and I love these breakthroughs in this book, because Solomon's big experiment here was to try to make sense out of life without God. And he's saying here that, listen, the reality of, of, of life is you and I don't know what's going to happen in the next five minutes. And he says, who knows the explanation of things? We've all worked for bosses, haven't we? All right? And sometimes we question things bosses do. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. How we do, it's a different matter. We're going to get into that. But we may not know the full picture. And here, Solomon says, a person's wisdom, which comes from God, brightens their faces and changes its hard appearance. You know what that means? We start to have compassion on people. And we start to respect authority. <laughs> Let's go on. I'm going to say something you may not agree with, but it, it's true. It doesn't matter what system of government people are under. It could be a democracy. It could be uh, a tyrannical government. Uh, it could be a monarchy. I mean, it, you know, all sorts of governments. It doesn't matter. What matters is how we live within the confines of that government. Does that make sense? Okay. So Solomon's saying, here, of course, you know, Solomon's king, correct? Obey the king's command, I say, because you took an oath before God. Do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Do not stand up for a bad cause, for he will do whatever he pleases. How would you paraphrase that today? How would you paraphrase it? Well, not quite. To say, uh, if the paraphrase for this is, I'm going to assume for the moment the king knows what he's doing. Okay? And rather than me leaving a huff because I may not agree with him, I need to listen. And I need to obey. Now, there is a caveat here, and, but, and uh, Chip touched on it. This implies that you have a king that's not violating any of the principles of Scripture. You understand that, all right? Um, and we're going to talk about how to balance that going on. And it says, do not stand up for a bad cause, for he will do whatever he pleases. Sometimes we don't pick the right battles. You got to know which battle to pick. It's not saying don't stand up for any cause. It says don't stand up for a bad cause. Uh, you know, for instance, uh, if, um, if a ruling came down from uh, the division of motor vehicle that we're all going to drive on the opposite side of the road now. <laughs> it takes, you know, some getting used to, but it's not a big deal. You follow? Okay. Don't stand up for a bad cause. Pick your battles. But we need God's, God's wisdom to pick our battles. Isn't that true? Look what the next verse says. Whoops. Okay. Next verse. Since a king's word is supreme, who can say, what are you doing? <laughs> You know, I made a note in my notes not to leave a gap there because I knew that was coming. But uh, whoever, whoever obeys his command will uh, come to no harm. And a wise heart will know the proper time and the procedure. 
I want to just call to your attention Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a ruler under the king uh, in, in exile, by the way. Jews were in exile. But Jerusalem was in a shambles. The, the wall was destroyed. And God laid it on Nehemiah's heart to rebuild a wall. Because you see, God says a city without boundaries is not good. Sound familiar? A city without boundaries is not good. So what did Nehemiah do? He didn't run off to the king right away. Remember what he did? Oh, come on, guys. He prayed for a period of time. He went before the Lord and he said, Lord, I need your wisdom. I need to know the proper time and what to say. Here's what I want you to notice in Nehemiah's case, and, and even in the apostles' case, we'll talk about that, that the wisdom that came from God was to show respect for, the, for authority. When you make the approach, show respect for authority. And when the time comes, God will give us what to say. Bear in mind, Nehemiah could have been killed. Who dare question the king? You just read that, right? And what happened one day is God opened the door. Because Nehemiah was in the presence of, king, of the king. And the king said to Nehemiah, why is your face so long today? Why? You look disturbed, Nehemiah. And he looks at the king very respectfully, says, well, you it's Jerusalem. That wall needs to be rebuilt. And with your king, with your permission, king, I would like to rebuild that wall. It was the right time, the right heart attitude. And the king said, sure, go ahead, Nehemiah. But make it quick. And you know the story. The wall, the wall was built in 59 days. We can't get anything done in 59 days anymore. <laughs> Timing is everything. We, we don't know what it is to show respect anymore and that we, we would rather yell at people and scream and jump up and down rather than sit down and talk with them. Everybody needs to be respected. Everyone, whether you disagree with them or not, you need to show respect. Because when people sense that you respect them, you may not even like them. But when you respect them and their position, they're going to be more likely to hear what you have to say. And then you ask God for the wisdom, for the words. You know, I've, I've had people come in my office and call me a jerk. You know, I mean, that's not the way to, to, to get me to listen. You know, and, and, and we do that, but this is the culture, isn't it? We jump up and down. Here we go. A couple of more verses. For there is a proper time and procedure for every matter. Though a person may be weighed down with misery. You know what that means? Sometimes we may have to wait. We may have to wait. And sometimes we just got to keep being obedient to God, even when it looks like there's no hope. Let me give you another example. Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel refused to bow down to the statue of the king when the music played. Do you remember that? Here's a case where Daniel, in his own conscience, could not violate his conscience because the king issued an order for everyone basically to commit idolatry. 
And if you don't, what's going to happen to you? You're going to be punished. There were people in the ruling class that were jealous of Daniel. And they snitched on Daniel when the music played and he didn't bow. So the king, I got to silence that next time. The king uh, got infuriated. And he calls for Daniel. And Daniel knows that somebody snitched on him, you know? So the king says to Daniel, Daniel, is this true? And Daniel very respectively said, yes, king, it is true. I just could not bow down to anybody except my God. It's very respectful. Well, he got sentenced to be thrown into the lion's den, right? Daniel went. Daniel didn't know what was going to happen. But God closed the mouths of the lion. Wow. Daniel could have run away. Isn't that true? He could have started picking lines for the king, saying king is unjust. Could have done all these things and said he, he, he voiced the truth very respectfully and was willing to take the consequences. This is, I believe, where we're at today. And I'll tell you why. Because it, it, it could be in the very near future that the decisions that are made both by the culture and the government may not be decisions that we could act on because they violate the word of God. Would anybody disagree with that? They violate the word of God. For instance, there's a bill pending in, uh, uh, I think it's the Senate, that redefines marriage on a federal level. They may, that may have implications for the church. I don't know. But in my conscience, I will only marry people who are believers and people who are biologically male and biologically female. I could not do anything else. Why? Because my God tells me different. And I will be respectful to the authorities, but there's times we need to take a stand. It makes a difference in how I counsel people. In New Jersey, there's a push to have abortion and kill the, born, the newborn 30 days after the birth. If you were a physician or a nurse, what would you do? You know, I mean, we're, we're, we're being tested right now. What would you do? I'm not a physician, Doc is. I'm not a nurse, but Margie is. You know, I, it's a matter of conscience. You gotta be, come before God and say, Lord, I need the wisdom. Show me what to do. And it faced these dilemmas every day. We don't realize it, you know, because we, we, see, a, we see a doctor or a nurse on the job and they, they do great things. But none of us know the pressures behind it. Even, I got a, a, a note the other day, an email, that there was a, co a company interested in me uh, to uh, maybe be a part of their uh, human resources. Uh, I'd be fired in five minutes. I, I really would. I'd be fired in five minutes. Because I'm sure I will refer to a him when they want to be referred to as a her or a they. I'm sure 
I would be fired because I would be very, very skeptical of co-ed bathrooms, you know? And so I'm thinking about this and I'm saying, there's more and more of a cost to following Christ, especially in this day and age. We have to realize that. But listen, you have to make your own decisions. And in doing that, you have to go back to the Bible and say, okay, Lord, I need wisdom. Show me how to handle this. Look at the, the next verses. Okay. Since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what, uh, what is to come? I, I don't know. Do you? And I'm going to tell you something. This is a pet peeve of mine. I'm tired of hearing professing Christians say they want to see a psychic. <laughs> and I said, what? It's amazing, right? No one has the power over the wind to contain it, do you? I told you about the reporter uh, who uh, said that we have to do better at uh, addressing global warming, uh, warming to prevent hurricanes. Yeah, let me see that. So no one has the power over the time of their death. Do you? I don't. My expiration date is written on my backside. I can't see it. Right? No one is discharged in a time of war. And I think... Uh, Solomon puts that in there to say, hey, look, there's a cost to doing the right thing. But when we do the right thing, we do it with respect and in ways that glorify God. So wickedness will not release those who practice it. Oh. Solomon says, all this I saw as I applied to my mind everything done under the sun apart from God. There is a time when a man lords it over others to his own hurts. In other words, without God's wisdom, our tendency is to manipulate and take advantage of other people for our, our own desire. Right? Because after all, the earth revolves around us. I'm not a real big fan of, uh, and this is my choice, of addressing issues uh, in a public forum uh, when they're hot button issues. So that's why I met privately, you know, with, with uh, the Board of Ed. I showed them respect, but I spoke the truth in love. We have to understand that every day God gives us, we need to live for his glory. Whether we go to work, whether we change diapers, whether we're in school, uh, interaction with family and friends. I wrote down some, some um, things here. I'll go through them real quick. This is a challenge to take a look at our worldview to see if it's biblical. Number one, carry through on our commitments to our employers and the, and the church. There's a big disparity there. The reason is that people are more committed usually to their employers because they get paid. In the church, they kind of give God what's left over. Always be respectful to those in authority. When issues come up, make suggestions about the issue, but remember we may not know the big picture that the leader has in mind. Always ask God um, to give you wisdom and discernment about which issues are important and which are not. When faced with an order which directly violates God's word and not becomes a matter of conscience, we must obey God rather than man. Even at that, 
This must be done with respect, humility, and grace. Respect, humility, and grace. I want to share with you that I believe those qualities are fast eroding in our culture. But it cannot be so with us who follow Christ. Years ago, I had an interview um, with a convenience store. They wanted me to come into a supervisory position and um, do some management work that really needed to be done. And they, you know, they were talking about the position, what's required and all, and I was qualified for the position. There was one caveat. I asked the interviewer, will this particular convenience store chain stop selling pornography? And the interviewer said, no, it's a big money maker. They said, I can't work for you. I just couldn't in good conscience be a part of something that violated God's word. And those are the things that we have to wrestle with these days, aren't they? Because we're all faced with it. Every single one of us is faced with it. All I know is this. It is a better feeling at the end of the day to know that in what I faced that day, I glorified God. And I could put my head down on the pillow. I'm not always successful at it, are you? Thank God for confession. That we can go to Christ and say, Lord, I blew it. I handled it all wrong. I didn't do what you told us to do. And I made a mess of things. I'm sorry, Lord. And when we agree with him that we sin against him and others, He'll take us by the hand and he'll say, come on, let's go on together. We can't live a, a, a two-faced environment, if I could put it that way. I know plenty of people who, in their capacities, will say, um, pol politicians, and, and politicians never lie, right? Uh, particularly in their capacity, you know, when they're in leadership. Well, personally, I don't agree with abortion, but I have to support it. Oh, really? Why? Because you want votes? Oh, I don't agree with this, but I have to support it. Why? When we start asking questions like that, things become very uncomfortable. But we have to be honest. We have to say, am I glorifying God or am I not? We're going to pick it up here next week. I, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to run off right after the last song because I'll be teaching up in Tom's River. You can come if you wish. I would encourage you to come. Um, but as we go through Ecclesiastes, it's great lessons in here for us because all of us, I think, have been guilty of trying to do life our way rather than God's way. And we've all suffered for it. We've all suffered for it. James says, if there's anyone who lacks wisdom, let him what? Come on, wake up. Ask. Let him ask. And God will give you wisdom. We need wisdom today. Not the world's, but God's. I'm going to ask the praise people to come up, please. Do you realize there's not one baseball or football player, for the most part, who knows your name? I don't think any politicians down in Washington know your name. But the creator of the universe knows your name. <laughs> 
Didn't we sing that before? And knowing him is better than life. Would you stand, please? Everlasting, it's an everlasting love. Your mercy is as new as every rising of the sun. And your loving kindness, loving kindness is better than life. Your grace is all sufficient, it's an all sufficient grace. It's our and your glory forever on display. And your loving kindness. Loving kindness is better than life. Just in all your ways, and I will lift my hands, O oh Lord, with gratitude and praise for your loving kindness. Loving kindness is better than life. Thank you all for coming out today. It's great to see you. Good singing. Tomorrow night, 10 o'clock, see Sharon and come and sing. Uh, what did I say, 10? 7 o'clock at night. Okay? Let's pray. Father, would you dismiss us in the power of your spirit? Help us in everything we do. Bring glory to you, whether it's our jobs, our families our volunteering at churches and in the community. Help us, Father, reflect the love of Christ. And we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.